Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Sparks, presented by betonline.ag. I'm Sydney Weiss. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, iHeart, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Sports. Hi, friends. Welcome to this episode of Believe in Sparks. Just before the holiday, head coach Derek Fisher received an amazing gift as the Sparks announced a reorganization of the basketball operations department. Derek was named general manager in addition to the renewal of his contract as head coach. In his two seasons as head coach so far, Fisher guided the Sparks to a 37-19 record and two postseason appearances, second only to Bill Lambeer for regular season wins in that span. As always, we recognize Natalie Gilmore, Coordinator of Public Relations and Communications for all of her hard work, and Eli Horowitz, Director of Public Relations and Communications, guides the media through this call. It's time now to hear from Head Coach and General Manager Derek Fisher. Considering where we are right now, um, you know, in, in the country and around the world with, uh, with COVID and the pandemic and uh, what has been a challenging year in a lot of ways, like to take a couple minutes to talk about women's basketball and, and changes within an organization. Um, while I'm very excited and, and happy to be a part of this, um, trying to keep it all in perspective that there are much bigger things and um, more pressing things going on in our lives. So hope all of your families are remaining as healthy and as safe as possible. And um, just look forward to working with you all as, as we push forward and hopefully get to better days, um, you know, with this pandemic. Um, and so uh, as we move forward, yeah, I just, I want, so thank you, but also um, wanna make sure that I take a quick second as well to thank our ownership group, um, you know, specifically Eric Holliman for this opportunity to continue on this journey uh, that we've embarked on the last couple of years. Uh, Eric has been tremendous to work with and, uh, you know, the opportunity to be the head coach of this team the last couple of years and, and now uh, these additional duties as general manager, uh, I'm really thankful uh, and, and excited to, to move forward in this way and look forward to working closely with our ownership group and, and Eric in particular. Um, it, you know, this past year for us as, as a team and as an organization, uh, Eric, myself, you know, Michael Fisher, we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes and, you know, having a ton of conversations, uh, you know, at the end of the 2019 season at, at the start of how 2020 and preparing to go into the bubble and while we were there. And then since our season ended uh, and just really discussing uh, where we are as an organization, where we want to go. Uh, and we realized that, um, you know, this announcement is really just the beginning still um, and, and early stage of, of what we hope to be uh, just a restructuring and reorganization of how we do things uh, and the culture that we want to create. And it's been a process. It'll be an ongoing process. Um, but, you know, we're, we're hopeful that, you know, we can really start to move uh, in the direction that we see ourselves being able to. Uh, as we go forward in that now by getting to this place where we can formally announce uh, the reorganization, provide a little bit more clarity on, you know, the roles and, and the positions that we'll each hold, um, it'll help us internally to be more effective 
and also provide some clarity externally for for folks that uh, you know may have questions or wonder uh, how we're trying to address you know the different priorities that we need to as a team. Um, so uh, you know Eric Holliman will remain uh, actively involved as you know he's our governor um, and and uh, you know leads our ownership group specifically related to the Sparks. So he'll still you know have that role and play that role and. Uh, it's been great to uh, to see an owner that is active in in team business and, and really wants to know and be involved. Uh, so he'll still be our governor, but he, he now will be named as CEO of our team and he will, he'll oversee all aspects of what we do uh, in terms of business and basketball. Uh, and it, like I said, it's been a real uh, a real treat to get to see uh, how he works and how much more we've communicated over the last uh, you know, 12 to 14 months compared to the first year I was here. Uh, it's, it's been great. Uh, Michael Fisher, who has served as our assistant general manager and really has been an invaluable piece to uh, an integral piece to, to everything that we've been working towards. Um, you know, his expertise in, in this in the game in the women's game, understanding uh, a, a lot of uh, key priorities that will be important uh, for us moving forward. Uh, Michael's going to be promoted to vice president of player personnel and, and really help to lead us in that area uh, in terms of, you know, how we make this new salary cap work, uh, understanding uh, the different ways that we need to plan in terms of our contracts and our structures, uh, understanding the CBA, and uh, we'll work closely together, but you know, we have every confidence that Michael um, is, is very strong and passionate about his work and uh, you know, we feel really good about the position he's going to be able to provide for us uh, and continue to bring value. Uh, and for myself, uh, just having the uh, the opportunity to extend and renew my contract as the coach of the team, which I was already uh, excited uh, about and looking forward to, but the also the additional uh, responsibilities of being a general manager. Um, for me, it just represents an opportunity to continue to want to have both feet into uh, supporting our players and supporting uh, these women uh, as they continue to push forward um, in, in making sure they have a place uh, in this world. Uh, you know, women's sports um, oftentimes comes in last and, you know, we need, we need everybody to uh, put both feet in to doing everything that we can possibly do uh, to, to create a better space uh, for our, our players and our women. And, it's be, becoming GM is an extension of that passion uh, to be able to have a, a more hands-on um, role in our vision and, and how we want to do things, not just on the court in terms of X's and O's, uh, but the vision for our culture, our operating system, the way we want to work together, how we want to collaborate, uh, how we want our players to feel, the type of players that we draft, the way we develop those players, how we scout college players, uh, how we view our international prospects uh, to, to be uh, in a position to help lead us in all of those areas, uh, in, including our staff and the folks that we don't often get a chance to, to see as much or work with as much in terms of whether it's Eli, Natalie and, and PR, our community relations departments, um, you know, Natalie White and our folks on the, on the business side really working hard to um, expand on really all of us being aligned in, in a shared common purpose and vision for how we want the Sparks organization to run and to operate. 
And all of that should lead to our players filling the efforts. Uh, it's all about them. So um, I'm, I'm just excited, um, you know, as I'm saying here. And um, again, I wasn't as brief as I intended to be, but I wanted to cover a few things and make sure uh, that I shared those thoughts with you before we opened it for questions. But I'm really just, again, looking forward to continuing to work with Michael and Eric uh, to help lead our team and, uh, and work with our players more closely. You know, I think it this also sets up an opportunity to really be able to dive in on, on a, in a deeper way with um, how to help them and how to serve them more than just being their coach. Um, it, it is even more so my job to make sure our players uh, are, are feeling like being here with the Sparks allows them to become as close as possible to the, the best versions of who they are as women and as players. And uh, so that's, that's part of our vision as well. Yep. Sports look different this year. And while you might not be at a game, you can still get in on all the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino because it never closes. Head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, we will start with Dorothy Gentry with the New York Times. How much of a priority is it for you to retain the core of Naneka and Candace and Chelsea, uh, you know, with, with like, what, like nine players up for new contracts next season? So how much of a priority is it for you to retain uh, that? It, yes, ma'am. It is, it is very much a priority uh, for us to retain, uh, you know, not just that core in terms of their performance, uh, and what they've put out on the court, uh, you know, prior to the time that I got here, uh, having the championship history that they have together, but even over the last couple of years, getting to know them more closely personally as women uh, and who they are, uh, you know, beyond just basketball, the leadership qualities, the character, the integrity that they, um, they each hold, uh, it, it is vital that we find a way to, to make it work. Um, you know, they're free agents. So ultimately, it's their choice. Uh, you know, we won't be able to force them to do anything. Uh, our goal should be to uh, be able to have the type of conversations and communication with them uh, that would provide a level of clarity of, of what our vision is for uh, their time here and how we see this being the best place for them to, for Candace specifically, to finish her career uh, playing for the Sparks and only the Sparks, uh, being able to win more championships uh, and then for NECA and Chelsea, as they move into this next phase of their careers and their lives, um, being able to expand upon the great legacy that they've already built and left uh, in this game, um, but expand and expound upon that even more uh, here in L.A. So, um, it, you know, those are our top three priorities. And we got a bunch of other priorities as well uh, to try and, you know, retain the consistency and, and just that corporate knowledge that we feel would be important to compete for championships again over the next few years. We'll go to Brady Klopfer with SB Nation. I'm wondering if you can expand a tiny bit on, on the relationship that you're going to have going forward with Michael and what your roles are going to be and how they're going to complement each other. I, I know during last offseason, I talked with both of you and, and you were both very complimentary of each other and both seemed to imply that you had 
skill sets that were very complementary that, you know, his strengths and your strengths were in different areas of the game and different areas of team building. I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit more about what his role is going to be and how you two are going to work together. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Brady, it won't change very much from the description that that you gave. Uh, we We really view this as a collaborative effort and we believe similar to what many businesses um, and organizations uh, are, are approaching things with uh, that, you know, the walls and the titles uh, and the desks uh, are, you know, they're figures, they're, they're symbols for certain things, but in reality, uh, we're all gonna work together to be successful. Uh, and so we're still gonna rely heavily on uh, Michael's skill sets, the, the strengths that he brings to our group uh, and and combine those and really and again complement each other uh, the leadership that Eric holds uh, as well in those conversations in terms of how we want to build our team the type of players we want to draft uh, Michael has a very specific and keen eye and knowledge for those things just due to his history and the work that he's put in uh, we don't uh, we're, we're not going to value that less um, you know because of titles uh, if anything we're going to show even more value for that. And so we're gonna still work very closely together. Uh, I, to be honest with you as well, I think it'll take us some time to find what works best, right? Like we, I think we all bring great things to the group uh, and to this team. And ultimately we need to agree to do what works best for our players, right? Whatever process, whatever systems, uh, you know, deciding who will have the ability to make decisions, um, you know, we need to all work together to figure that out more clearly as we spend more time here, but it won't change very much in terms of us working to complement each other and do the best we can for the group. Uh, we've spoken <laughs> ad nauseum for hours uh, over the last couple of months as we've been getting to this point. So Michael and I are in a great place. We're really clear about how we want to do this and I think for us is just continuing to, you know, find that rhythm and then be able to communicate that to, you know, to teams and agents and uh, and everybody so that they're clear. But I think internally we, we, we have a good feel for it so far. John W. Davis with Windsider. I've been doing my own, I guess you call back of the napkin uh, calculations where I try to, you know, run down this, this salary cap with the restrictions that are set by the league and the types of salaries that different players, you know, could earn mm -hmm. and then might have to end up earning if they play on this team. How do you go about that? Um, I mean, have you literally like taken out a piece of paper and said like, oh, maybe this person gets this much, this person gets that much? Or how do you go about processing this? Because, I mean, if we had, I think if we had the, the ability to, a lot of players would probably be getting max contracts on your team? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I, we, we for sure, uh, in terms of our scenario planning for different versions of, of our roster uh, based on, uh, you know, who uh, we can uh, partner with in terms of, you know, players that will resign uh, at different amounts in terms of salary uh, and, and what that will allow us to do in terms of putting a team together to compete for championships. Uh, you know, that's a part of the process. Uh, the, the new salary cap structure in terms of not just the total 
number uh, in, in terms of the salary cap increasing uh, slightly, I think a little over 30 percent. But player salaries have increased uh, as much as 75 or 80 percent. And so it, it really puts a lot more emphasis on uh, having to make really smart decisions about how you uh, invest those resources in very specific players. Uh, the, the days of being able to give everybody a max contract at 117.5 or 119 or 112, those days are over uh, for the most part because it you can't max everyone out and put together the type of roster that you need from a balanced perspective. Uh, so it, it makes our jobs harder. Uh, to your point, we have a number of players that um, historically or even in the future uh, have what we consider to be max contract value and or potential in terms of their performance on the court. Um, but similar to other sports, uh, there, there are only a couple players on the team that can, that can demand those kind of salaries. Uh, and then you have to find a way to balance everything else out and still put championship teams together. Um, you know, obviously for me personally, I've seen it done very well, uh, you know, on the men's side. Uh, and there's a reason why, you know, a few superstar players get uh, the big deals. Uh, everybody else still does really well. Um, and and it all, that always takes care of itself uh, when, when the player focuses on the things that, that, that they can control. So our job is definitely really difficult with the number of free agents we have. Uh, and we've we've run through and we'll continue to run through a number of different scenarios uh, to make sure we find a way to strike that balance where we are fortunate. I'll close with uh, in terms of your question uh, is that uh, Candace, NECA, Chelsea, uh, Chanae, all of the players that we've spoken with so far uh, and, and had conversations with and I'm probably missing on a couple other names, uh, they all just want to win. And I think they realize that we have a really special opportunity uh, to do that with, with this core group. So we'll, we'll find a way to make it work. And, and ultimately, like I said, because of who they are as women, um, you know, we're very lucky to be having negotiations and conversations at the right time with, with them. Go to Howard McDowell with the next. I'm curious, and, and you mentioned uh, Sinead in that last answer, but you obviously have a roster. It sounds like you're looking um, to keep intact at the top, whether it's NACA, whether it's Candace uh, or Chelsea. And so you add in total, I think, five players with a usage uh, rate of above 20 percent. That leaves relatively few shots to go around. I wonder, mm -hmm. you know, you thought they, Sinead just wants to win. But of course, there's also, well, how do you use? Uh, a player like that, you know, multi all-star, somebody with the resume that she has. And I'm just wondering how you look at the way she fits in to the coach version of your vision for this team in 2021. Yeah, no, great question. I, 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 um, I, I love the, the connection to the usage rate for our group. That's one thing that um, I think is a strength and a positive of how we play basketball. Like we, uh, whether free agents that are returning or free agents that we'll talk to uh, that we want to come and join us. Uh, we share the basketball, we play together. All five players on the court are gonna have a chance to eat and be successful. And that's what we want. And even for players that are coming off of the bench, uh, for young players uh, that have you know, gotten a chance to find, uh, find out more of who they, who they are in, in Sydney Weiss and Taya Cooper this past year and Christina Nigue 
you know, when you come in the game, uh, it's a game. It's, it's a team game. Everybody should have the opportunity to be successful out there. So we view that as a strength. And as far as I know, our players really enjoy playing that way, specifically to Shanae. Uh, I, I think because of like she uh, enjoys playing the game. Uh, she's a high energy player. Uh, she plays with passion. Defense is what she loves first. Uh, we joke a lot about her overhelping <laughs> sometimes uh, and going to help people that she doesn't need to go help. Uh, but but that's really what she lo loves to do first. Then she loves to rebound the basketball. Um, and then from there, she's she's always played with great players. She came from a great program at Stanford. Uh, and obviously Tara Vanderveer, who congratulations to her on becoming number one all-time in wins in, in NCAA women's history. Uh, Shanae's come from uh, a program that is rich in balance and teamwork and everybody working together uh, and that usage rate being somewhat equal, even though you, you will have, you know, star players for the most part, uh, which she and, and NECA were in some ways at Stanford. Uh, so I, I think Shanae fits in, you know, still perfectly well, as do a number of players in terms of the balance that we like to play the game with and that we don't necessarily have to try and uh, manipulate or manufacture uh, or convince somebody that if you come to LA, we're going to pass the ball to you. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to have to stress over shots because you're on the team with Candace Parker or Neka Agumake or Chelsea Gray. Like the way we play basketball, everybody gets a chance to be successful and the numbers bear that out. We, we're not just going to tell somebody that because we're trying to sign them. If they go check the numbers, like you just said, uh, they'll see that this is equal opportunity as long as you put the work in and you show us that you deserve to be out there and, and taking advantage of those opportunities. Sabrina Merchant, uh, SB Nation. Uh, I'm just curious, like what the learning process has been like in terms of becoming the GM? What have you had to you know, study? Like how have you done the preparation? And has it been helpful at all to lean on potentially like NECA and Shanae since they were so instrumental in drawing up the new CBA? Yeah, no, I, I, um, I mean, I, I'm a team guy, so I've always, I've, I've always relied on, you know, my teammates to, uh, you know, create or build any success that I've individually had. So, uh, you know, our team in terms of Michael, in terms of Eric, um, you know, NECA is obviously president of the Players Association and, and Shanae, et cetera, but um, also my own uh, history as president of the Players Association on the men's side, uh, a lot of familiarity with collective bargaining agreements, how they're negotiated, uh, some of the key aspects and provisions of them. Different uh, on the women's side, for sure. Um, but uh, the, the book is just a stick. <laughs> I could promise you that in terms of, uh, the, you know, the amount of language and, and things that, uh, that exist there. But um, I, I'm not uh, speaking or implying in any way that I know it all better than somebody else, but uh, you know I do feel uh, you know pretty confident and comfortable with uh, where I stand now, uh, and I'm always going to take a learning and, and beginner's mindset to uh, to different challenges and different opportunities, and 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 that's the way I'll approach this. Uh, so I, I think also uh, speeding up that ramp a little more over the last you know 12 to 14 months. Uh, from the end of our 19th season, um, 
you know, that we, we've, we've been collaborating in a lot of ways since then. Uh, you know, we had to come together as a group and as a family, um, you know, after significant change. So, uh, you know, this process has been kind of taking place over the last year. And, and now we've just formalized it in a way that we hope will make us even more effective. We'll go over to Brendan Clean with Forbes. I'm just curious to hear from you uh, along the lines of Sabrina's question. Um, just kind of as you think back to when you first made the transition into the WNBA, I'm curious kind of what's on your mind right now as you take another step forward in your career in this league as to maybe is this what you expected might might be what your path looked like? You know, what are some of the things that you've that you've uh, learned and absorbed over your time in this league that obviously, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're committing even more to it now. Right. So I'm just kind of curious where your mind's at in terms of some of that stuff as you, as you now kind of make a, a step forward, like I said. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it, Brendan. I, yeah, no, I, I um, did not come in uh, thinking or, or assuming this is where uh, we would be, you know, after a couple of years together, uh, you know, the opportunity to first become the head coach of the Sparks, like I really uh, excited, intentional about it. I love the game of basketball, regardless of who's playing it from a gender perspective, but I've always had even more respect for the way the women's game was played for over 20, 30 years now. Um, I grew up watching it, <clears throat> had an appreciation for it always. Uh, I was telling my wife a couple of weeks ago, we were watching South Carolina and I told her I had a Don Staley poster on my wall as, when I was younger. Um, and, and that's just how much I've, you know, had an appreciation for it as a guy that was never the tallest or longest guy on the team. Um, I, I always had to approach the game from a very strategic uh, and fundamental way. And I had to find angles and ways of doing things to be able to compete with folks that were maybe taller, longer, more athletic. So when I was younger, when I watched the women's game, I saw them approaching the game more along the lines of the way I played it than I did watching sometimes college and, and NBA players on the men's side. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do what I saw Magic or Michael Jordan doing. <laughs> so a lot of times I would see myself in players like Don Staley more so than Magic Johnson. Um, and so to bring all that to now, like I, I did not see myself going from becoming the coach of the Sparks to now becoming uh, the general manager and head coach of the Sparks. What I believe um, has made it uh, something that I really want to do and am excited about doing is taking the love I've had for the WNBA and the women's game as a fan, becoming a coach and being a part of the WNBA over the last two years, uh, I feel like I've, I've seen and felt how important it is for us to not just talk about what we should be doing for women. This is what we should consider. We all should be investing more in women. We should put women's TV on, on I mean, women's sports on TV more, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we need to roll our sleeves up and actually get in there and do it. So. There, it makes no sense for me or anybody else to complain about what we should be doing, right? Um, let's actually do it. And I believe that this presents an opportunity to expand upon a love and a passion that I've had for the women's game for a long time. Uh, and being in this position 
I can get even more involved and be as as positively impactful as possible for our players, for our organization, for the WNBA as a whole. Um, and I just think that's a special opportunity that at this time uh, I didn't want to pass up. Um, the ages where I have an 18 year old daughter, I have a 14 year old daughter. Um, this has obviously been a tough year with the loss of Kobe and Gianna and Peyton Chester and Alyssa Altabelli. Um, and there's a reason why the WNBA has exploded this year uh, because we, a lot of people are finally starting to realize what we should have realized a long time ago. It's actually a pretty cool game. So um, all of that to say, like, I didn't see this two years ago, um, but I'm really thankful and excited to, to see it and be a part of it now. And uh, again, hope that I can be a positive addition to, to this league and, and to our team. Time for just a few more. We'll go to Kari Jones Jr. with the LA Sentinel. Uh, can you speak on just how you want to impact the team's culture and and them outside of beyond the court? Yes, no, that, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, we oftentimes think of, of sports teams, you know, in terms of just on the field or just in competition, uh, the X's and O's aspects, uh, et cetera. But, um, you know, as we've seen in, 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 I think in business and a lot of the great companies that, you know, get the credit for, you know, top companies to work for that, uh, especially right now with the, the market being up and down and all of these IPOs and all these different terms that get thrown around, uh, the great companies, you know, they, they stand out for more reasons than their stock price. Um, they, they have great reputations for the little things that they've considered over the years, right. In terms of, uh, businesses that are intentional about maternity leave for, uh, for women leaders, making sure that there's a level of diversity, uh, within their business and within their leadership, et cetera. Um, you know, making sure that our players, uh, feel the value uh, that we're trying to bring to them outside of just basketball. We're in the city of Los Angeles. Uh, we have some of the greatest companies. Uh, we're in the, one of the health and fitness capitals of the world in terms of sports performance and sports science. Uh, there are a number of additional values outside of just playing great basketball uh, that you know we feel like we can add to our players. Um, but part of that is you know listening to them. What, what is important to her? Um, and then that's kind of where I can follow that lead and, and that kind of um, clue, so to speak, on, okay, how do we work with her, right, to make sure that if she's on the Los Angeles Sparks, we're creating an environment and a culture that works for her. And that could be 12 different versions, uh, even though we're all on the same team. And, and, and I think that's an important thing that we'll have to figure out, right, is that uh, we can't just do it one way that works for Candace or works for Sydney or works for Maria Vadiva or works for Chelsea or works for whoever. Like it, it has to work for everybody, but in, in slightly different ways. Some of our players may be interested in, in finance, investing, venture capital. Some of our women may be interested in fashion and design. Some of our women, uh, Candace has a budding uh, and booming broadcast and media career. Uh, and so part of our responsibility is not to just help them make more shots, but like, what is it that she wants to do in life? Who does she want to be outside of basketball and make sure that she feels that we care about her in that way as well. And if we can somehow help her put all of that together, 
we have a better basketball player, a better woman, a better leader. Uh, it, it all kind of works out for everybody. And uh, that, you know, that's my hope that, that I can play a part in helping us create that, that type of system. Charles Hallman, Minnesota spokesman recorder. You and James Wade are the only two black men who are also coaches and general manager. Who also, with Vicki Johnson, you now add three people who are coaches of color in the league that has majority of players are black. Wonder if you can reflect on that. Also, just your role or your evolution from being a player to a coach to a general manager over the years. You talked about that a little bit earlier, but just you know, any more any more thoughts on that? Just how you have evolved, especially in your last couple of years and coming back coming into the league after being an NBA. Uh, yes, no, I, I I do as as you're saying. Like I, I think about it often. Uh, the, the great sense of responsibility that I have uh, and that I think, uh, you know, in some ways we all carry, whether we know it or not, I, I think as, as a black man and as, as a person of color, uh, there's, a, there's a heightened sense of responsibility that we have when, when we are, when we earn and are presented with opportunities to be in these leadership positions at the highest level. Uh, and so, I'm, I'm thankful to be in that conversation and a part of it. Uh, and and as, as we reflect on it, I think as a community, I believe it's important for us to make sure that we are fighting for inclusion without necessarily excluding. Um, and in the WNBA in particular, uh, I know for myself as a man, I have to be really uh, conscious of the fact that, you know, we're fighting for women and, and as much as I want this opportunity, I also have a responsibility to make sure that uh, a woman or a woman of color is also being uh, afforded the opportunity to lead and be an executive and to be a head coach and to be the GM of a team. And so while I don't want to stand in the way of that, the best way for me to do that when this opportunity is now before me uh, is to is to kill it, is to do well. Like we've as a young man of color, like you grow up knowing that you have your work product has to be twice as good or three times as good as your white counterpart or another friend or peer that isn't of color. That mentality has always been a part of the way I approach playing, the way I try to approach my job as a coach and, and now as a general manager. Um, and that's not uh, a negative thing. Uh, I, I believe anything that um, put you in a position where you feel like you you have to do better. You have to get the job done. Uh, that that's what the greatest people have always felt about themselves and what they've created, um, you know, in the world. So I do think about that often. And and uh, you know, James, myself, Vicky, we're all very fortunate to be a part of this league. Uh, I think the WNBA and the NBA, to be quite frank, I, I think has always been a leader in terms of diversity and inclusion but we're, we're just i think we're now pushing for more and and i and i think that's fine as well um the uh i want to make sure i cover the second part of of what you mentioned as well um in terms of the evolution and i think that my parents instilled that in me uh, a long time ago that uh, especially for a guy, again, that wasn't 6'7", you know, 240 at the age of 17, 
um, that basketball wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to play forever. And, um, you know, even if I was able to play for any period of time, uh, whether it's my education, the way I speak, the way I interact with people, you know, being a person of humility, uh, being someone that can work with other people, you know, all of the things, all of the lessons that I think parents all over the world are trying to teach their children. My parents really, really, really um, try to instill those things in me. And, and that is what I feel like uh, has been the catalyst to me being able to have opportunities, you know, as my life has gone on outside of just being a player, having the opportunity to, to be president of the Players Association, to be a coach, to now be a general manager, um, to always see myself as more than just an athlete or a basketball player um, has been important. And uh, I'm, I'm really thankful for my mom and dad and my family and, and those that have, um, you know, helped me to be in this position. And then now I have to handle it in a way that I realize I'm, I'm just holding this and keeping it warm for the next person. Um, I'm not gonna be here forever either. Like this, we, we're supposed to share and grow this game and I have a responsibility to do so. Thanks, we have time for one more today. Uh, we'll go to Chris Camello with Nightfall Media. You know, uh, coach, obviously there, there has been a history of uh, coaches also being uh, general managers and I'm sure you've, you've seen times where it has not worked out uh, for some of these coaches, obviously at the men's game. Uh, it's been more, it's been more documented. Uh, so two part question. One, how do you learn from those, you know, th those sort of shortcomings, obviously uh, you know, it's, it's hard to know what, what happened behind the scenes. And also who do you look to for, for potential guidance in this now new position, this dual role, so to speak? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, a good question, Chris. The, I do think there are some nuances uh, and, and some differences between the men's and women's game that, uh, I think have allowed for this to be on the women's side, at least uh, more of a consistent uh, approach to, to doing business uh, and, and, and that those people have still been able to be really, really successful. Um, like you said, on the men's side, without knowing uh, the details, what really was going on internally, the way, you know, ownership and management uh, and everyone were, were choosing to work together on a daily basis. Like you said, it is more documented. Uh, of it maybe not working out as well. Um, and and so I don't want to speculate necessarily too much uh, because obviously it's not because people aren't smart and, and can't figure out, um, you know, how to, to, to make things work. Um, I can more so speak from experience, at least so far, uh, on the women's side, uh, you know, being able to, to observe over my first couple of years uh, it be done and handled very well uh, and very smartly by, uh, you know, women like Cheryl Reeve in Minnesota, uh, you know, men like Mike Tebow in, in Washington, Kurt Miller in Connecticut. Um, you know, I think Bill Langbeer has done a phenomenal job in Las Vegas, you know, managing multiple responsibilities. Uh, and I think in some ways uh, due to, uh, you know, how much smaller and tighter we are on the women's side with the number of employees, the number of staff, the number of players. We don't have a G League and a developmental league. We're just not as vast in how many different uh, things there are to manage. Uh, I believe that it's, it's something that on the W side, 
you know, people have been able to, to find success with it. Uh, James Wade has done a great job in Chicago these last couple of years. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, things are cyclical. And so there could come a time where on the W, it's not as smart to approach it this way. Um, but but right now, while while it is positioned in, in this manner, uh, I think, you know, it's my job to make the most of it and do the best job that I can. Uh, and then also call and ask those people questions about the successes and the mistakes that they've experienced uh, and, and try to learn from those. And then also know that there are going to be mistakes and, and misses that I have in this job. Um, that are just a part of being in leadership positions. And I just have to be willing to learn from it, acknowledge it, admit it, continue to ask questions, continue to lean on the folks around me um, and do the best job I can humanly do, knowing that uh, you know it stops and begins and stops with me, but it's not just about me. Uh, and, and that's the way I'm gonna try to approach it. On the business side, President and COO Danita Johnson will be leaving the Sparks to join DC United as their new President of Business Operations. Senior VP Natalie White has been named Interim President and COO. Both phenomenal women have been on this show. And we wish them congratulations along with gratitude for all they have done and will continue to do. And this wraps up our season of the year 2020 as Sydney and I Look forward to 2021. May each of you have the most incredible year filled with joy and good health. Thank you for your continued support of Believe in Sparks on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, iHeart, and TuneIn. You can find us at believe.com and at Believe Sports. Follow me at SwissBaby24 on Instagram and Twitter and Stacy at Stacy Pates on both platforms as well. Interested in advertising on this show? Please contact Believe at Believe.com. I'm Stacy Pates for Sydney Weiss. This has been a presentation of BetOnline.ag. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.